What is up, everybody? Welcome into a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, and we've got plenty for you tonight. How about a little Vincent Smith? Yes, Vince is going to be on the show, as well as our good friend Drew Doherty. We go in the lab and we redraft 2007, but we're going to kick it off with the voice of the Texans. Mark Van Remark, how are you? 2007, huh? 2007. By the way, that little Back to the Future picture, is that what it is mm-hmm. of you guys? Yeah. Yes. It's funny because, um, you know, Matt, the new night guy at Sports Radio 610, who I think premieres on Monday, he was talking about Back to the Future. And by yep. talking about it, I meant he hasn't seen it <laughs> he yet. never seen it. But that's, uh, you know, a lot of the young Gen Z, young millennial types haven't seen that. And they need to because otherwise you're not going to get Biff Tannen references. So there's that. Well, it's that's like what scripture. started it. That's what started yes. it. You made a Biff Tannen reference to the picture. And Matt just looked at us and went, like, you could tell, like, oh, wait a second. I've seen that look before. Yeah, exactly. I've seen that look as in. I haven't seen that movie. I don't know that show. I'm not sure what you guys no, are talking I about. I made a Biff Tannen reference to your drafting 2007 right. again, right. saying, I mean, you can't do that. That's like we Biff can. Tannen taking the, the sports encyclopedia, going back in time and doing it properly. It's actually a lot of fun. To yeah, do it is so a lot of fun. I'm looking forward and to that later. Biff did that, and it made a whole movie in Back to the Future 2. It did. And it did. In some ways, it's more fun than Back to the Future 1. What was fun about that is as we were walking over – we were walking over the bridge, over Kirby, coming back. We then started peppering him based a little bit on our conversation yesterday with Deshaun. Yeah. Because he told us Gucci Mane was old school. Old school, right. Which which, which was fantastic. Sure. And then he told us uh, Fresh Prince. But, you know, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not totally sure how to feel about this other than the fact I sort of love it because I love game shows. ABC is bringing back all these new ga- all these old game shows. They brought back Match Game a while ago. Yeah, they brought back Match Game. They Strahan does the hundred thousand dollar pyramid. That's a good one. Called. That's a good one to bring back. Everyone loved that one. It was a great one to bring back. It used to be the twenty thousand dollar pyramid. There's inflation. And tonight, Card Sharks is on. Joel McHale is going to be the host of Card Sharks. That's one used to I'm be not a show. familiar with. Really, the other one that needs to come back is Joker's Wild. I used to love Joker's Wild. That was oh, a popular one. Pressure Luck is coming back with the whammies. What about Password? Password needs to come back. See, I like Password. I, f- I figured Password Alan should come Ludden back. Alan Ludden and Betty White, weren't they married? Oh, maybe. I want to say they were. I think, I think you're it's right. It's really bothering me. Those are all old school that are so getting old. rejuvenated into new school. Decrepit old, yeah. yes. It's kind of, it, it, it harkens back to a Super Bowl performance when Katy Perry was on stage and she brought out Missy Elliott. And everybody was like, oh, who's this new this new artist, Missy Elliott? Oh, my gosh, Katy Perry's going to make her so famous. Yeah, that's right. Everybody's like, hold up. Or Kanye and Paul McCartney. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly that. Mark, practice. Yep. The offseason mm-hmm. is over. In the books. It is. Done. Tomorrow's going to be a team activity for the guys. We have seen the last bit of practice, as we would call it. The next time that we will see this group together, these 90 men, the coaches, all together, will be on the practice field at the beginning of training camp. I know we'll have a lot of time between now and then to talk about it, but the fact that offseason is over, and there have been things that we have talked about, okay, this team needs to do going to 2019, etc. The next time we'll see them being training camp, I thought, you know what? What are the things that we are excited to see in training camp, that we're anxious to see at training camp, things we have to see at training camp, or one of the things that we're looking forward to about this training camp in particular. 
So let's go. Let's kick it off. We're about six weeks away from it happening on, I believe it's like July 24th, somewhere in that range, that we'll see these guys again. So any of those categories, any of them you can pick them. What you're looking forward to, what you want to see, what you need Mm -hmm. to see, what are you looking forward to the most? All right, I think that there's been so much talk about the offensive line this offseason for good reason. You spend a draft choice first and second round on mm-hmm. offensive linemen, and you sign a guy like Matt Khalil. There's been a lot of movement, a lot of movement as far as jockeying between positions mm-hmm. during this OTA minicamp session uh, during this nine-week period. So I want to see day one what they line up with on the O-line because assuming everybody's healthy. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see Matt Khalil healthy. But assuming everybody's healthy, I think that that's the line that they're going to go with, that they think they want to go with opening right. day. I think they want to get that five out there working together. Let's just say this is our opening day line. Now it's likely to change. Maybe not likely. I don't know. But it could change. You can't just say there's 100% probability of that. Yep. But I want to see how they line up with that starting five the first day of training camp because I think that – it's training camp. You know, you get two weeks before the first preseason game. Yep. They want to see that line operate in the preseason games. You know they do. Uh, but, again, health could play a part because if Khalil's healthy, does he get a part in it? Uh, if somebody else is unhealthy, who knows how all that plays out. Is right. there another acquisition? I doubt it, but it, there could be another acquisition we're not talking about. But I think that that's something to think about, something to watch, and it's something we've been talking about since the season ended, yep. really. Yeah, absolutely, and what that, what that five is going to be. I think to kind of piggyback off of that, what what groupings they put together, you know, what guys they put together, and how much they move move guys around in training camp. Will yeah. they have a guy? You know, will they put Titus at tackle and guard? Will they have Max at tackle and guard? Will they um, move Zach Fulton center and guard? Or will they be more locked in? But not only who the first five is, but then what's the second five? Yeah, how will they configure the second five? But I, I think a big part of that is. Where is Matt Khalil in his rehab, and yep. when when will he be ready ready to go and and put pads on and step in there and practice? When will that when will that happen? And hopefully sooner than later. He's but, played a lot of football, Johnny, right. and it's going to be interesting to see, assuming he's healthy, where they put him right. because it's not like well. He's got to – I mean, I guess he would have to earn a spot, but, well, he has to get acclimated to whatever. If he's fully healthy, he's got to be out there practicing. So I, I just – it's going to be so interesting to see what they think of him at that particular point in his career, yeah. uh, assuming health. I'll tell you one that I'm, I'm really excited about, and I'm sort of curious, too. By the time we got to training camp – by the time we got to the Greenbrier in 2018 – Deshaun Watson was full go, ready to go. Yeah. And OTAs held him back, didn't mm-hmm. do team, was just smart. You still had another couple of months uh, before they were going to training camp. Once he got to training camp, full go. He was doing everything. Right. Every team drill, every one-on-one, every seven-on-seven. I want to see what the plan is for Will Fuller. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, and, and look, we, we saw Will uh, today just walk around a building, and you see him, and you're like, oh, man, he, he looks great, he looks good, he's ready to go. But you – you obviously never know when you start talking about running and cutting and doing all those sort of things. My hope is that by training camp day number one, he's ready to go. And then obviously, how do you manage it throughout training camp, all that kind of stuff. But I'm curious to see what what he's able to do when he's able to do it because how valuable he is to this receiver. Look, I, have, I have insight into this, okay, because the, um, the Vanderwife had her knee That's surgery right. two weeks after Fuller's. Yes. And she had an ACL. 
Right. Got to play in tennis. It's blood sport in the land of sugar. No the question. Women's tennis league. And so she's rehabbing well. Like, she's on the bike. She's. I mean, right. you'd never know it happened, really, right. at this point. And she had to get – see, here's the difference, though. She had to get, like, a screw taken out. They put a screw in there. Ooh. I don't know if they did it for Fuller. Right. But they put a screw in there, and maybe they do it for everybody. I don't know. But it's an actual screw. Like, they had – she had to get hers taken out because she's little, the knee's little, and the screw is starting to, like – it wasn't like popping out, but it right. looked like it. Like you could almost see it through the skin. So Dr. Lowe just took it out, you know. It w- but it was another procedure. Whoa. And it's not a huge setback. But it- anyway, I'm, I'm rambling now. But I want to see, because she's not full out playing tennis yet. Right. But, you know, she might be in August. Sure. I don't know. And I think that he's – I was talking to her about this. She said the big difference is that Will Fuller can go to rehab, like, all day long, right? right? right you right, know, right. people, normal people have an ACL. <laughs> you know, they can go three, four, five times a week, whatever. Right, right. It costs money. It's insurance. Some of it's covered. Exactly. Some of it's not. You know, there's a whole big process here. You know, I can't just bring her in to uh, see Jeff Kaplan every day. <laughs> Uh, although his advice has been good, yeah. but but Will Fuller can go every single day, so right. I I think the uh, the chances are pretty good there when you when you base it on the timing of Watsons sure. and everything. And I don't know about training camp, Johnny, but I think for the season, let's go, man. Yeah, I, I don't need to see that much of him, but I need to see. I want to see him out there against the New Orleans Saints. Thank you very much on that carpet. And that's the thing that I. I, I don't want to be impatient about Wilkes. I, I do. I want to see 16 games of him plus then some playoff games on top of that and hopefully even more. But I there's a part of me that just – I don't know. It's, one, it's, it's weird. He's one of the rare Texans that I just can't get enough of watching because he's got something that – I think it's, he's got something that I – the speed – yeah, no, he does have something. That, I mean, that's speed. It's just like that's the one thing that I never had that I always wanted. So, <laughs> it's, And it's not just that he's fast, but it's he's so electrifyingly fast that he runs away from other fast guys. Yeah, he does. He does. Whether he, and, and beyond that, it's his development as a receiver. It's how he's evolved right. into this complete receiver and just watching him work and watching him run routes and doing those things and how comfortable he's gotten – I just I truly enjoy watching that, but I'm like you. As long as he's ready week one, I, it doesn't matter. Just get him ready to go week one. Doesn't matter. He'll run routes really well. He's a terrific route runner, like we said. The hands are terrific now. I mean, he's really worked on his game, and that's what you want to see with all these guys. Continue yeah. to improve. Work on your game. He did last year. He's got to work on the rehab hard. But you mentioned he has something special. Hopkins clearly QT looks like he's got that edge as yeah, well. Absolutely. And Bill O'Brien was talking about what a great spring he's had. That's huge going into training camp. Yep. To have QT, you know, the, the dream of QT, Fuller, and Hopkins yep. all on the field at the same time for the majority of time, that is very much alive. And when we're talking about things you want to see in training camp, this wide receiver position group, oh, yeah. Johnny, even without two of those three, if they didn't even exist on this roster, I would say – it's a pretty exciting young group of receivers right. that you want to see develop here and, and see who's going to get playing time. You know, there's not a lot of room for them if everybody's healthy exactly. for all these guys. And it's going to be a tremendous battle. I mean, competition makes you better. We heard from Floyd Allen at the podium today, you know, his great story and everything. 
this is going to be amazing to see these guys out there. To me, the preseason games, and this is a, a, a sexy position, you know? Right. When you're watching preseason games on TV, it's like we could rave about well, these interior defensive linemen or the, the guards <laughs> or what. You know, a lot of people who watch these games, I mean, the football junkies, yes. Right. But receivers, yeah, let's all check exactly. them out, see what they're going to do in these contests. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I am. I am certainly looking forward to that. I'll tell you one other guy that I'm really excited to see because I feel like the last two years we've been shortchanged because I felt like as a rookie, he he had to pick six against Tennessee. He had the pick against Cleveland, and then that was running with Duke Johnson down the sideline, and then he gets hurt and missed the majority of the rest of the season. And last year he got hurt in week two and missed a significant portion of the season. That's Dylan Cole. Yeah. I feel like – and look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Dylan is more valuable than JJ Watt and Zach Cunningham and B Mac and oh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you that. But Dylan Cole is very highly thought of. Right. As well he should be. He can run. He's smart. I love watching him in, in out on the field because he knows where the ball is going every single time. I've told my story about after week one, I, I said, Look, you knew where the ball was going on certain plays and he just kind of smiled at me. I was like, what did, what did you know? And he, and he just kind of smiled. He wouldn't tell me. He yeah. wouldn't tell me. But the fact that he was figuring that out against mm. Tom Brady tells you a lot about this guy on top of the fact that he can fly. And he's the kind of guy with that sort of speed and his knowledge of the game and how smart he is. I want to see him in training camp. I think he ends up being uh, another guy I want to see. Well, training camp for sure, Johnny. But I don't know. The preseason games, it's going to be interesting with him. Like, do you have to play him a ton in these preseason games? Probably I not. I don't think so. Probably not, no. I think that that's the kind of player that, look, he's he might not be he'll a start, starter. He'll but start in preseason games, a series, two, maybe out. He's that's a it. big snap contributor. You know, this guy has got to be preserved. I hate that word when you're lucky, looking at preseason playing time. Yeah. But he's got to be well taken care of, so you have him opening day. He's one of those really important players to this yep. team. He might not be a, you know, he might not be on all the the player cards. You know, it might not be on all the posters, but right. he's really crucial to what you want to get done in 2019. Yeah, I don't think there's any question. I think we're all excited to see Deontay Foreman. I think we all yeah. want to see what he looks like again in pads. And it's the concert aspect of the running game. You know, right. the the lineman blocking, what Foreman's doing. How about Bill O'Brien mentioning Josh Ferguson yeah. today as a third down back? Absolutely. You know, I think this group, and and you've been talking about Crockett this offseason, mm-hmm. maybe Higdon's around for training camp, it gets healthier, and, and you can see some of him. This and I don't need to see much of Lamar Miller. All right, no. here's a character. Even in camp, you know, like, right. it's almost like Lamar Miller. Right, get out of here. You're banged up, wink, wink. Get right. out. You know, right. sit out. You know, maybe some veteran rest. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the guy just is much better when he just goes because he's so durable and dependable. Right. But to me, yeah, Foreman, Ferguson, Crockett, uh, who am I? Taiwan Jones. Even yeah. I know he's a special teams guy, really. But maybe he gets some reps in the backfield. Look, a running back in training camp, as we've seen. It gets real thin in a big hurry. No with doubt. Some of these injuries, and remember the year where Jay Prosh was getting a lot of carries in, oh. in a morning practice because they were just out. They, they were, were all dead. They were out of backs. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So you you want to make sure that you have enough guys, and I think they do. Uh, they have a, a bunch of anybody who's not healthy has a lot of weeks to get healthy. So that's an area that we're going to be really focused on. And I think, like I said, it's a collaborative effort. The line and the backs. They'll finally get the pads on. Everyone talks about, hey, we got to see how they will look with the pads on. Well, let's go. Most importantly, Texas Training Camp Live.
first That's two right. weeks. And We're doing it up in Green Bay. We're out there in the field. We'll be at Green Bay. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I just I can't wait to be up there so broadcasting. Fun. It's going to be so much fun. That's going to be so much fun. Mark, you're the best. Thank you. Thanks, Johnny. Coming up next, how about a little Vincent Smith and Brennan Scarlett right here on Texans All Access. Texans clearly in four-down territory. It's third and 11 at the Philadelphia 35-yard line. Maybe looking to get about half of this here. One back blue. Watson in the gun. Here's the snap. Deshaun looking. Deshaun firing to the end zone. And he wants Vincent Smith. And he makes the catch deep in the end zone. And touchdown, Houston! Watson finds Smith. There it is. One of the great moments of 2018. Against the Philadelphia Eagles, unfortunately, would not be the game winner. But that was Vincent Smith making that catch for a touchdown. It gave the Texans a lead late in the fourth quarter against the Philadelphia Eagles. And what a catch it was. And probably the one play we'll all remember from Vincent Smith from his rookie year in 2018. And boy, he was really, really good. Well, he had a chance to sit down with Drew Doherty and talk about that play, amongst other things, in his 2018 season. Tell me about the biggest difference this offseason versus this time a year ago for you? I have a direction. I know where I want to be. I know what I have to do, and my, my goal is there. They're right in front of me. How much more comforting is that for you? Very comforting. Um, like I said, my goal is right there. I can talk to coaches. I know where I'm playing at. I know what my expectations are. So, it's, it's, I, I, like I said, I have direction. I know where to go. The last day of the season when you had your exit meeting for the season with O'Brien and your position coaches, what was something they told you to work on, and what have you, you been doing to work on? Get bigger. Definitely get into the playbook and everything, like the back of my hand, so I don't have to think when I play. I can just play. When you go back and look at the touchdown at Philadelphia, take me through what you saw on the play when you were going through it first and then what you saw after. On a play going through it, um, it was my first time going to the left on that drive. Before that, we was on a bench and he was telling me, what, asked me what I like, what coverage is, uh, who I want to go against. I told him, DB on the left, got on the left, kind of gave him a head nod. He was about eight, nine yards off, chased him down, kind of stuck him a little bit, kept it high, saw the look back, saw the ball coming, tried to track it down, keep my feet in bounds. Score. Keep your feet in bounds is one thing, but you were able to do a knee. That's kind of an adjustment, am I right? Yeah. What what was what was going on there? I just knew I looking back and tracking the ball, I kinda saw the end zone back line and I kinda like tried to drag my feet and get a knee in knee in was extra. Nice. And then when you look at it on tape, what do you see? In full speed it looks like a blur, it looks like I fired through the back of the end zone. Before I just see myself kinda leaning back, tracking the ball. Your story is a really cool one coming from Limestone. We saw that you got to go back there this off season. What was that like? Everybody embraced me. It was awesome, you know, fans that I didn't know, fans that I did, my teammates, people I just went to school with. It was it was really cool, you know. They got to see me start from there and make it to this level and come back and be the same person I was before. In some sort of, maybe it's small, maybe it's big, maybe it's in between, but in some sort of way, are you kind of playing for them when you're out on the field a bit? Definitely. Definitely got to do it for the people who can't kind of put my opportunity to waste. DeAndre Hopkins has talked many, many times about when he got in the league in his first few years in the league, leaned on Andre Johnson, learned a lot from Andre Johnson. What have you seen from DeAndre Hopkins in, in a sort of similar way maybe that he saw from Andre Johnson? Just how to be a pro on and off the field. You know, I see the way he practices, the way he works, and he can wake up and play the game any day, any moment, and his body can be down or up, and he's going to perform. What was the most eye-opening thing for you when you joined the Texans? It's hard to say. Um, just how the speed of things, how everything is click, click, click. is like a machine. Well, what's next for you? Making year two great, making a lot of plays, playing every position I'm asked to play, and doing it exceptionally good. We've talked to all OTAs, veteran minicamps. I just call them off-season practices. 
Off-season practices, Vincent Smith has really stood out. And I don't know if a play like that gives a guy confidence going forward. Like, hey, yeah, I can make plays. And I, we talked about that a little bit with Vincent when we talked to him a couple months ago. And it's, it felt that way. It felt like Vincent got some confidence off of that. Because the next week against Jacksonville, he made a couple of really nice catches in that game against Jacksonville. Now, we'll see what that role turns into this year because if Hopkins is fully healthy, if Fuller's fully healthy, if Kiki's fully healthy, there's still going to be opportunity, though. There's still going to be opportunity. And Vincent Smith's going to have an opportunity in training camp to really show, hey, yeah, I can make an impact on this 2019 team for sure. Now, a guy that has been making an impact on this organization since he got here in 2016 is a man by the name of Brennan Scarlett. And whether it's rushing the quarterback, dropping in coverage, picking off passes like he did against Washington, picking up fumbles, blocked punts, whatever it needs to uh, needs to happen on special teams, Brennan Scarlett has been doing that. He's one of my favorite people in his locker room. He's unique. Some of the clothes he wears, I love him on this team. He knows his role. He knows he wants to make an impact. He's coming into a big year in 2019, and Drew caught up with him as well. Football-wise, what are you working on most this offseason to get ready for 2019? So just kind of getting getting the body back right to sustain a, a full season. That's always the focus. Other than that, you know, just strengthening, you know, certain weaknesses in my body and then also just learning uh, the offensive tendencies more as you look, you look throughout the league based on formation, personnel, you know, what might I see, uh, what might I not see. And then obviously pass rush too, just uh, trying to hone in on my craft as far as pass rush goes. How do you view the opportunity in front of you this year? You know, honestly, I view it the same as, as every year. Whatever role, whatever uh, I'm asked to do, whichever way I can contribute to the team to help us win, uh, and we know what our ultimate goal is and whatever I can do to contribute to that ultimate goal, that's always what I look forward to, and that's always the opportunity that, you know, I want to seize every year. How cool is it having all these Stanford teammates? It's cool, man. It's cool. The pipeline has begun. It slowed down a little bit this year. You know, we didn't pick up any Stanford guys this year in the rookie class. But, yeah, it's, it's great having Jay Reed and JB and uh, Dog Nasty, all those guys in there. Yeah, yeah, Peter Combay. Yeah, Dog Nasty, Nasty Dog. Is that a nickname you gave him, or does that come from somebody else? No, no, that came from Stanford, actually, and I think it may it, it might be beyond the Stanford days. I'm not, I'm not sure. I actually have never gotten the full story, but I think there's a story behind it. Well, Dog Nasty, I talk about the, the origins of it. You didn't really get specific with it, but it, it kind of applies to what he did on special teams. It really applies to what you guys did as a whole, yeah. not just the Sanford guys, but all of you on, in coverage last year. I mean, that's one of the best special teams units, if not the best, this franchise has ever had. Right, yeah. You were a big part of that, too. How much yeah. pride do you take in that? I mean, we take a lot of pride in it. I think it, it starts, obviously, with the guys in the room, but then also, you know, our coaches, they, they kind of set the standard and they uh, – they put us in the right positions. And then from there, being in the right positions, you know, it allows us to take pride knowing because we know what to do, right? So now we're in position to be successful. So now it's one-on-one. You know, it's you versus the guy that you're supposed to block or you're supposed to beat. And, I mean, if you can't take pride in that and if you can't go after that, go out there and try to win, then you're in the wrong, you're in the wrong industry, right? So we, I think, all took that to heart. Uh, on our special teams unit, and I think that's why you saw a lot of that improvement. You know, dudes really took pride in that. The point right there at the end that Brennan makes about having pride is a big one. I I would say, and I'm not going to change his words, but to me it was a unit last year that just was so unselfish. It didn't matter. There were guys out there that didn't take offensive or defensive reps all year long. 
but it didn't matter to them because they knew they were making an impact on special teams. Johnson Batamosi, A.J. Moore, Brent Scarlett, Buddy Howell, those guys, Joe Webb, didn't make an impact offense defensively. Now, you saw Joe in the game a little bit on offense. Brennan got on the field defensively, and, and he may have to do more of that this year, but he also knows how important special teams were to the 2019 team or 2018 team, and they're going to be the 2019 squad as well. Very important stuff with the special teams, and Brennan Scarlett was a big reason why those units flourished, and he ended up parlaying that into some good playing time where he made some plays on a defensive side of ball as well. So big thanks to Brennan for joining us, to Vincent Smith as well. Coming up, Drew and I are going to get into DeLorean and go back to 2007. We'll find out why next right here in Texans All Access. One final segment of our Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, and it's been a newsworthy few days for the Texans. And Adam Schefter broke some news today. This is all we know about this situation, so I will leave you with this. The Patriots have filed tampering charges against your Houston Texans. So there's not much more that we know about the situation. So anything else is really speculating, and that's not really something that we're going to do on a situation like this. So we'll leave that, but the Patriots have filed those tampering charges, and obviously when there is news, we will analyze it and give that to you on Texans All Access. But I would like to get in the DeLorean, and I'm going to do that with my good friend Drew Doherty as we go in the lab and redraft 2007 in the first round. Well, Drew decided he wanted a boat. He wanted to get on a boat and go to an island. I go with the path of least resistance. I go with... The path to greatness, I go to the path of a guy who I think should be in the Hall of Fame one day. Talking about paths, if you want to take a path, you're going to need a boat for this one. Oh, yeah. Because you got to go to the island. Uh-huh. And I'm going to take, instead of taking a Moby, Moby Okoye, great guy, we love him, uh-huh. but I'm going to go with a guy who had a better NFL career, was a shutdown corner in the truest sense of the word, one of the best corners ever, I think. The New York Jets took him in four, at 14. I'm going to take Darrell Revis, cornerback out of Pitt, instead of Amobi Okoye. And, man, I'm going to pair him up with Dante Robinson. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good go. corner tandem. Especially when you're facing the Colts, Reggie Wayne, mm-hmm. Harrison. I mean, uh, they, were, they were phenomenal. And, and the Texans' philosophy was let's get our pass rush to a point where we put the pressure on. And so that meant Mario Williams in 06. That meant Amobi Okoye in 07. And remember, Okoye was 19 years old. So the thought was by the time he got to his second contract, he wasn't even going to be 24. Mm-hmm. So you were going to get a lot of bang for your buck. It just didn't turn out that way for Amobi. But here are the here are four, four of the next five picks Yeah, ended up being pro bowlers. Right after the Texans took Okoye, the 49ers took Patrick Willis. So, Who, I mean – Tremendous, tremendous. You you pair him up with D'Amico Ryan's. Right. That would have been nice, but right. I I think you're you're getting better value, much better value out of uh, Darrell Revis. The three of the four positions, to me, when you look at that, I think first of all, Revis Revis is the better player of these four. Marshawn Lynch, running back, fun player. Would have loved Marshawn, but again, drafting a running back in the in the first round. Then Darrell Revis went at fourteen. And then Lawrence Timmons, who played linebacker, was very, very good linebacker for the Steelers. Versatile, athletic. Look, I would take, just based on value of position, I'm putting cornerback above all else, but Darrell Revis was the better player 
above all else. Now, yeah. the Texans would have had to pay, but that was what that's what made Revis Island so expensive and luxury. But uh-huh. Darrell Revis in the first round, there's no question. Okay, so then you skip down to the second round, and there's a lot of really good players that have come off the board at that point. Michael Griffin from Texas, the safety. Uh, John Beeson, linebacker, really good player. Joe Staley, I mean, is he, he might still be playing, isn't he? He's, he's, been he's still forever. playing. Yeah. He just got a two-year extension. Tackle. I mean, went to the Niners. He's been great. Greg Olson, really good uh, tight end. Paul Puzlozny, he went. Eric Weddle still playing. Zach Miller, good tight end. Yeah. Okay, Texans forfeit that second-round pick because they traded away to Atlanta. And uh, Atlanta picked a – ironically, Atlanta picked a corner named Chris Houston uh-huh. from out of Arkansas. That would have been with the 41st pick. Uh, of that draft, so the well, Texans. No, well, that's that pick was actually from um, Minnesota. They, oh, oh, my bad, my bad. They drafted they had, Justin Blaylock. Yeah, they had a couple twos, and they took Justin Blaylock, yep, guard out of Texas. Good guard out of Texas. Man. He was on yeah, that, good player. Uh, that title team. Good player. Know, five. Um, okay, so you got to go all the way down, John, to the third round, seventy third overall, mm-hmm. and the Texans took Jacoby Jones back then, who wound up having a really solid career. Had some moments with the Texans. Was better on that uh, title team with yep. the Ravens. In 2012, yep. He's one of my favorite players to ever interview. <laughs> but I think if I could redraft at that point, I'd go with a guy who was taken 86th overall, who was taken by the Ravens. Yep. I'd go with the tackle out of Iowa who kicked inside to guard. And, man, you solve your guard problems for a while. You get Marshall Yonda. That's who I would have taken, John. There's no question. That, that was – as soon as I saw – that as I was, I was scoping the draft, I would have, I would have thought about taking Marshall Young in the first round. To be honest with you, yeah, yeah, with as good a career as he's had, he did. He kicked in a guard. He's been, he's been a tremendous player for Baltimore. Still is. I think he should go to the Hall of Fame. I think he's one of the interior players that's ever played in this game. JJ Watt agrees with you. There's, yeah, he's, he's talked about it with me before. He yeah. said this he's guy phenomenal. has really given me pro. He gave he's me problems phenomenal. when I was a rookie. He was such a tough, tough guy mm-hmm. to play against. So yeah, yeah, that's that's who I would have taken. So I would have beefed up that line because think about it. At that point, you've got a young Eric Winston. You've got a young Chris Myers. You've got Marshall Yonda in there. Yeah. Chester Pitts playing guard as well. Your left tackle position at that, that point, it's 07, so it's before Dwayne Brown. Right. So a year later, you get Dwayne Brown. Yeah. Things are gorgeous. Boy, you're talking about Dwayne Brown, Marshall Yonda, Chris Myers, Eric Winston. And imagine if Charles Spencer had worked out. Oof. I mean, how that changes things. But – but it didn't. But man, you go Revis and Yonda rounds one and three. Holy smokes! You talk those those guys are Hall of Famers. Yeah, those guys are Hall of Famers. Meat Revis and potatoes players, man. No, no question. At two positions that you really, you really could have used. And again, Yonda was a tackle in college, and then they bumped him inside the garden. I think that that made his that made his career. He was yeah. just suited for that position. And even though he didn't end up in Houston, he ends up in Baltimore. Drew, to be completely honest, he went to the right place for him with the way Baltimore played, how physical it was. Yep. Here it would have been a little bit more zone blocking and, and look, if you're good, you're good. You can do it in any scheme, but I think in Baltimore where they run a little more power, a little more gap scheme back then, he was the perfect fit. Okay, I've got a I've got a conundrum next. Texans okay. are picking fourth rounder, the 123rd overall pick. This one came from Kansas City via New Orleans. And the Texans took a corner in Fred Bennett. Another nice guy. Mm-hmm. But 
do I want to add more beef up front on the offensive line, or do I want the ever-elusive safety? <laughs> Texans franchise history has not been blessed with great safeties overall. You know, you've had Tyron Matthew for a year. Looks like the future's bright with Justin Reed. But over its history, right. it's kind of been a position of neglect, I think. So I'm going to go there. I'm going to book... I'm going to pass up taking Fred Bennett. I'm going to pass up taking Jermon Bushrod, who was a really good tackle out of Towson, which is the town in which I was born. Mm-hmm. Moved to Houston 10 weeks later. Uh, I'm going to go with Deshaun Goldson, who went a couple picks after that. Um, safety out of Washington. Just solid player for the 49ers. He's been, he was in the league for a, quite a long time. I'm going to go with Deshaun Goldson, okay? That's a good pick. I, I think that's a good pick. If, if going back to our thought about getting Marshall Yonda, the offensive line still trying to figure out what they had at tackle. One pick before Bennett, Dallas Cowboys took Doug Free. It was yeah. a very solid tackle. Never – I mean, he's a fourth-rounder, but he never he never was – he was a starter, but he never was an all-pro. He wasn't a star. But he's a solid player for the Cowboys. Yeah, That's one pick in front of Bennett, but you're right. You could have taken Jermon Bushrod, who went to Towson, or Golson. Those guys both made the Pro Bowl. Uh, another guy that I would have looked at, and I, I'm trying to remember when Va- when did Vontae Leach get to Houston? Vontae Leach came to town I right around say, that time. Yeah, 07 or 08. Yeah, he was uh, with the Houston Texans. I'm trying to remember what year that was because LaRon McClain was a hammer for the Ravens. A hammer for the Ravens. Well, Vontae Leach got to town in 2006. Okay. So then you don't need to do that. Then you don't need to do that. Yeah, McLean is a, is a nice possibility, but I'm going to stick with Vontae because he was. I mean, he was a co-pilot. No, I heard him, no doubt. I'm I heard him you. on the, uh, the you know on the on the PA road trips coming over. Uh, yeah, this is co-pilot <laughs> Captain Leach. So yeah. yeah, I like Vontae. Leach. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm cool with that. I could I just couldn't remember when Vontae had gotten here, but. Vontae, to me, is one of the more underrated fullbacks there's ever been. I mean, I I think the players that played with him know what a great player he was. He just got caught in a time period where fullbacks were starting to mm-hmm. lose their lose their relevance, if you will. And I think because of that, people didn't understand or grasp how important he was. And, and look, in his own blocking scheme, some people say, well, you don't even need a fullback in his own blocking scheme. But because you had Vontae, you could run – lead plays and some different things. And it's funny because when I was going back and watching some of the 2012 stuff, Drew, for our bonus in the labs, go back and watch some of those games, they did a few more things in 2012 with Vontae running a little bit more power stuff because they had Vontae leads. They had they had some things that they could do during that time frame. Now, they weren't doing it in 2012 because that was James Casey, but they were doing some of those things because they had a guy like Vontae Leach. And Vontae was so good in the zone game because he could – he knew where Arian was going. He knew where Arian was yeah. thinking. So he could pick up those guys to allow Arian to make his cuts. And he did such a good job leading Foster for so many years. So, yeah, let's stick with Vontae Leach. We'll stick with uh, Deshaun Goldson. I like that. And we'll move on to uh, the fifth round, pick 144. 144. That was when the Texans took Brandon Harrison. They were trying for that safety out of Stanford. Yep. He didn't really work out for you. So you know what I'm going to do? You got a great young tight end in Owen Daniels. Oh, let's put another great young tight end next to him that's going to play for a long, long time in the league. Brent Selleck out of Cincy played some tight end, 
while uh, Connor Barwin was probably playing a little bit of tight end there in college. Yeah, yeah, you, oh, you're right. You're right. Connor Sell- Barwin was a tight end at one point. Uh, yeah, uh, Sell- very good player. Longevity is the key. I had my eyes on it. It's funny. I had my eyes on a tight end, but he didn't. He didn't last as long. But he was key for the Giants in 07. Talking about Boss, huh? Kevin Boss. Yeah, and he just didn't. He didn't stick for a long time in in the NFL. But he, I had a great 2007 as a rookie. I remember them using him uh, in that game and was a really good player. Well, John, I'm gonna I'm gonna scratch that itch for you, Giants wise, a little later in our draft. Okay, okay. Right. So I'm sorry about that, but I think I no, think Selleck, tight end wise, a little bit better choice for this team, and I'm gonna roll with that. But Boss would have been an admirable selection as well. So let's move on to the fifth. Okay, at one six three overall, the Texans took another tackle. Brandon Fry with an E. Mm. We're not going to go with Brandon Fry. No. We're going to go back to the corner well. Guy who can help on special teams, Corey Graham. That's who I would have taken. Played at New Hampshire, which is good because it's always nice to have people from New Hampshire in the building. We love uh, John Perry, receivers coach yes. here. Um, but Corey Graham went on and had a pretty nice career. Drafted by the Bears in 07, started at corner in 08. Next to uh, Peanut Tillman, I mean, he was the player of the game in 2012 against the Broncos when the Ravens beat him, so uh, had a couple picks. I'm going to go with Corey Graham, kind of like your third corner at that point, guy who can help out. That's who I'm picking. We faced him last year. Yeah. Played safety. Still in the league. I mean, Played safety for the Eagles. In fact, he had one of the best all-time reaction shots. We looked at it in the film room on – the on the escape, as I call it, the, the one where Deshaun got away from all the different linemen, Chris Long and Michael Bennett are all trying to sack him and Fletcher Cox, and he gets away from all of them. Brandon Graham, he shucks to the ground, and he finds Jordan Aikens, and after it's done, you see Corey Graham just throw his hands up like, damn, this like, yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's the best. I love his reaction to it. Uh, yeah, Corey Graham, again, I know that, you can never you can never have enough corners. Not in this league. Not now, man. I mean, just I mean, at this point in time, you've got to have guys that can cover. And the more guys that you have, the the better. So, and, and that wasn't that adage wasn't as fitting as it is now. Back in right. two thousand seven, but it was pretty darn close. You were you were moving in that direction, to especially his, having to beat the Colts. And to his credit, GM Rick Smith said that every single yep. pre-draft press conference. I mean, he he always emphasized that you can never have enough corners, yep. and you know he was pretty consistent about that about picking corners. Some worked out, some didn't, but yeah, that was something uh, that he definitely put an emphasis on. And to remind folks, we're not blasting these drafts that the Texans. Oh have no no no! Because everyone swings and we misses. can do this for every team, every single team. This is just with. The benefit of 12 years of hindsight, we're going back and doing this. So, <laughs> of course. Yeah, I mean, it's, it was a fine draft. So we'll, let's move on to number six. Let's scratch that itch Giants-wise that you had, John. Okay. Let's take a running back. Let's take a mod Bradshaw. So the Texans are at pick 183 yeah, instead in the of sixth taking, round. Instead of taking Casey Studdard, who he started some games here. Well, you're going to move Yonder to guard. Yep. So, so you know, you've got your that. guard fixed. Let's get let's get Ahmad Bradshaw in here. I think he'd be a nice complement to whatever you had working back then for the Texans at running back. I was mystified that Ahmad Bradshaw went in the seventh round. Yeah, it, it was it was mystifying why he went so late in this draft. I, I didn't understand it. I saw him at Marshall. And I was, I mean, he was how many picks? One, two, three, four, five, six. He was six away 
from being Mr. Irrelevant, and yet he was a significant factor mm-hmm. for that, that Giants 07. In fact, that Giants 07 draft was it was outstanding. I mean, I mentioned Boss. This is a team that won the Super Bowl in 2007. Yep. All these guys played a role in that that were in, that got drafted. Jay Alford played defensive tackle for them. He was a factor on that team in 2007. Um, Steve Smith, wide receiver, ended up being a Pro Bowler at one point. Yep. Uh, was a very good player. That's for them the Steve for a while. Smith from USC, right? USC Steve Smith. Um, they did not. Did they have a first round? I'm trying to think who the first rounder was that they had. They drafted in the first. Round. I don't see it. I could, well, there it is. Oh, Aaron Ross. Aaron Ross from Texas. The Giants got significant value right off the bat from 07. Now, it was not longevity. Longevity was uh-huh. not in play, right. if you will, with that group. They did not stick around for a long time, but immediate impact, they certainly got that. And Ahmad Bradshaw, getting him in the sixth round at 183, I think that is tremendous, tremendous value. So you have one more pick. It's the 218th pick. It's in the seventh round, and the Texans originally used it on Zach Dials, the linebacker, and he played quite a bit. He started in 09 uh, as your weak side linebacker in the 4-3. I'm going to stick with Zach Dials. I mean, looking at the options there, I mean, there are a few guys you could take, but you've kind of, I mean, you've kind of satisfied things in a, in a like, I don't want to take Clark Harris to tight end. You've already got yeah. two pretty good ones. I, I I guess you could take Allen Ball, the corner. But, again, I've taken two corners already. I don't I don't think I need to take three. So let's stick with Zach Dials. I mean, he's, he's okay. a solid defender. I'm going to throw a couple options at you. Okay. Now, there are a few guys that ended up not getting drafted. Right. That could have been pretty interesting on this team. First one was... Out of Bethune-Cookman, who, by the way, coached by Alvin Wyatt, yeah. had the best coaching outfits you've ever seen. And that was Eric Weems. Yeah. Ended up with the Falcons. I thought about him. He's a great return man. But you know what, John? He just pissed me off watching him when he was <laughs> with the Falcons. And they came here in 11. He just pissed me off. Like, okay. he was taunting the crowd. Yeah, okay. I, it really made me mad. I, All right. I, I don't want him. You know? Okay. And I think, I mean, he was good. But I think the, the contributions that Zach gave you – are a little bit better than that guy. I got you. Okay. Here's another one. Now, we drafted Revis. Yep. And we drafted Yonda. We drafted Deshaun Goldson. Mm-hmm. So we drafted a safety. Yep. I was doing that because I was like, I knew we drafted a safety. I was trying to figure out when. You got a young man by the name of James Ahedabo. And he would be our final selection, the seventh round selection, James Ahedabo. guy you can hear is uh, Drew said on Sports Radio 610. Does a tremendous job on the radio. He was a great football player, great leader, uh, excellent player for a number of different teams. So we went with him in the seventh round. So there you go. There's our redraft. Go check out the rest of the podcast in the lab. iTunes, Stitcher, tune in. I'm sure there are other podcast programs. However you get your podcast, go check out in the lab. Give us a rating. Leave us a rating uh, and check it out. We love doing it. We've had some bonus in the labs going up with our Texas Top 100 moments. So Definitely go check that out. Appreciate you guys being here. Big thanks to Mark, to Drew, to Vincent, and to Brennan Scarlett. Appreciate you guys being here. We'll see you tomorrow. And as always, go Texans.